Coming up on this episode of the Unusable Podcast. What is security? Unlocking your front door with a laser beam. And we reveal Kanye's phone password. She takes my money (laughs) when I'm in need. She unlocks my password. Hello and welcome to the Unusable Podcast, where we discuss the importance of user experience in technology and the world around us, and we talk about great design that just works, or moan about it when it doesn't. Bonjour! French today, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, David. Do you want to introduce yourself? <coughs> Gladly. Uh, I'm Andrew Waite, and I'm product owner of a SaaS product in Derby. I'm David Ball. I'm a front-end web and app developer. Good stuff. That's the boring stuff out of the way. Let's get down to business. Okay, so today I thought we could talk a little bit about security and the usability of of security. Okay, what do you mean by security? Well, so I think security is all around us and we're all authenticating every day. Are we? Speak for yourself. (laughs) We're always logging into things, right? Most people, most of us, you know, even... You talk about websites and apps. Yeah, mobile apps, even, you know, think about undoing the lock at your house. That's really authentication in a way, isn't it? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Using Um, my key in my door. Some people have like digital doors, digital locks and things like that. I don't think I would trust that. Yeah. Well, well, I was going to come on to that. Oh, right. I don't want to jump ahead. Don't, don't, yeah. Right, fine. Yeah, I was looking up, you know, what is security? Let's be a bit more academic about it, as it were. Oh, and, right. And there's, well, there's, there's two parts, okay? First of all, you've got uh, identification. So, yeah. who are you? Who, who are I? you? Right, okay. Right, okay, so that's like, in a traditional website login, that's your username. But obviously, you know, there's different ways of doing it. And then the second step is authentication. So, okay, you've told me that you're David Ball. Yeah. But I need you to prove that you're David Ball. And that's why I need a password. And that's a password, okay? Right, okay. And sometimes those things are the same, right? So if you're using something like a fingerprint unlock, that is simultaneously, your fingerprint's unique to you, so it's the identity. And also, hopefully, unless someone's chopped your finger off, (laughs) you know, that's proof enough that you are you, right? So sometimes it's the same thing, but, but there are those two components. It's like, who are you? And do I trust what you've just told me about who you are? So I think usability, though, is really key as part of this. So, you know, when we're trying to get users authenticated with our product or with our with our web app, whatever it is that we're building, yeah, to make that as frictionless as possible, you know, it's going to maximise conversions, it's going to reduce the anxiety on behalf of the, the user, isn't it? Hold it's on, going to... Hold on a second. Maximising conversions? What's all that about? Well, say, for example, you operate a web shop that's got a login in front of it. Yeah, okay. If you make the login difficult... Oh, I see what you mean. Right. If your login has a ridiculous requirement around the password, you're going to probably lose sales. Like, yeah. Okay. So if I wanted to buy some widget on a shop and mm-hmm. he goes, no, you have to. Welcome back, David Ball. Just enter your password. It's at least 20 characters long with three capital letters and a lowercase <laughs> letter and. And contains you'd... an emoji. You'd be like, I can't remember. I last bought from this shop 10 years ago. Like, what, what yeah. is this? What yeah. is this? So. So conversion can be a part of it. Um, not always. I mean, we don't really, in an ideal world, want to have a login because the user rarely is going, you know, you don't go home to your house and say you want to unlock your door, right? The ideal, you just want it to magically open. The ideal, the ideal for you is that you could just walk in, but you have to have a lock to prevent bad actors, right? It's not... Bad it's actors? Not, 
Baddies? You mean baddies coming out to my house? These bad actors. Why, would, why are you trying to stop bad actors coming to my house? Mean- only the great actors, please. I want only the stars of the West End in my house. Nicholas Cage, you're not coming in. Whoa, stay on. Poor Nicholas Cage. Or is he? That's a separate debate. Right, so what do you mean by bad actors? I think that's a commonly used term. I've not just made that up. Bad actors means people that are wanting to cause harm. Baddies, you know, it's a more formal yeah. way of saying baddies. Yeah, somebody who wants to get your password, log in as you, and yeah. steal all your details and, I don't know. But but really, it's not adding anything to the experience for you, for example, when you go to a website to log in, is it? Like, the ideal for you would be that it just lets you in, right? But obviously, yeah. we have to have this process, first of all, to make sure that you get your data and not somebody else's. Yeah, of course, yeah. If I want to log into... Um, Facebook or something like that. I want to. I want to see all my stuff, all my messages. Which not, is why you need. The, which is why you need the username, and then yeah. the password is obviously required to keep your data safe, so that nobody else can see it. Yeah. Who's you know willfully doing something bad? So yeah, I, it, security is all around us, and making you know focusing on the usability of that, I think, is quite important, and reducing friction there, and reducing the stress and anxiety that people might go through, because it, it can actually be quite stressful logging What's, in. What's stressful? Oh, logging in itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. yeah. You mean like. Uh, choosing a password when someone's got like ridiculous password requirements yeah can I tell you something that I found by the way there was a, a guy called Bill Burr who mm-hmm. uh, he's known as a password guru so he wrote some password advice for the uh, for the US government I think like ages mm-hmm. ago years ago and uh, so his advice was you've got to change your password every 90 days and you've got to add capital letters numbers and symbols now he admits now that he was barking at the wrong tree because changing your password every 90 days actually makes it less secure because he found that people were just so frustrated by that that they were ending up like adding one, two, three on the end of the, the password every single time, making it probably more insecure than secure. And also they were choosing things that were, that were easily guessable. Yeah. So my dad used to do, I mean, he's retired now, but when he was at work, their company policy was to change password every so many days. Yeah. And he used to have the same password and it would just have a number as part of it as the password. And he would just increment the number each time it was forcing <laughs> him to change it. So it's not really any more secure. If you've got the last time's password, you could probably quite easily guess that it's going to just be one higher than it was last time. Right? Yeah. And, and also, if it's changing that often, you're more likely to forget it. Mm-hmm. So you're probably more likely to write it down. Have you seen that you can get these books? I saw it on Amazon. These, these little notebooks, and it's specifically for writing your password down. Yeah. Which is kind of the whole point. Well, it's kind of against the whole point of a password. You're supposed to remember it, not write it down. I don't know. I, I'm sure I read somewhere that it's much less likely that someone's going to read your passwords from a book than, for example, if you stored them digitally. So actually... Yeah, okay. So digitally can be hacked, but it's unlikely someone's going to get into your house and steal your, your little notebook. Yeah, I guess the greater problem is that if they only need that one book. And then, and then they've, they've got, got all the passwords for everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's that famous um, cartoon on XKCD, isn't there? So, which which is about passwords and what most security rules on passwords tell you to do. Right. So most rules when you put a password in, so you've got to have at least a capital letter and at least one symbol and at least one, you know, it, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Is all your research going to come from a cartoon, by the way? No. <laughs> 
No, this, that is, this isn't even something I had in my research. I just remembered it on the, off the cuff. Yeah. yeah so th- so they, they say that the traditional best practice that you see a lot in the wild, which is, you know, it must be at least so many characters and it must have a capital letter, it must have a lowercase letter. Actually, the be- much better than any of that, of, of having symbols and things, is just to make the password longer. Really, really long. And yeah. what, they su- what they suggest is to think of some, like, different words, make a little picture in your mind of, of those words. So the example they use is correct horse battery stapler, I think. And if you string that together, that's really long and that's really hard for a computer to guess. So for brute force attacks, that's really strong. And it's much stronger than, say, for example... You know, your if your dog's name is like, I don't know, Nibbles or whatever, of using like Nibbles but replacing the L's for one. Like a computer can guess that quite easily, even though you've complied with the rules of adding a symbol and a couple of numbers. Actually, having a long, even if it's just letters, yeah, lowercase letters, having a long password is quite a lot more secure. So let's think about some of the problems with traditional usernames and passwords. So one of the main ones is most people would use the same password for multiple things, but then that's yeah. bad practice because... If it gets breached one on post- one website... Yes. Well, because all it takes is one website like to have their, their database all hacked. And then that person, in theory, has your password. Although it will be encrypted, won't it? Well, it depends. You're trusting the developers of the app. Also, technically, it's hashed, not encrypted. There's a difference. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's obs- obf- obfuscated in some way. Yes. Isn't it? Like, yes, it should be. Hopefully, the developer of whatever website you've logged into isn't just storing your password. But you are trusting text. that. There was there was a something recently on Twitter where... I can't remember what company it was but they basically said what was it somebody had forgotten their password and they offered to send it to them through the post but if you imagine that receiving your password through the post means that someone saved it not obfuscated yeah just, or, they or, obviously saved it or it can be text. reversed it can be re- whatever obfuscation can be reversed yeah which is scary yeah because it never should be you know that, that's kind of the thing that you learn as, a, as someone making a secure system as a developer is one of the first things you learn is that you never store passwords in plain text you Absolutely. put them through a one-way hash an irreversible one-way hash yeah so the app that I run oh you're going to talk about the app that you run go on mention it you might as well <laughs> we, we, we put passwords through a one-way hash if someone phones up and says I forgot my password there is literally no way anybody can reverse that yeah yeah, yeah. at all the yeah. only thing we can do is obviously establish that they are who they say they are and help them to choose a new password but Andrew what how can if you're running it through a one-way hash how can you check that that password is correct when they want to log in again because what you do is you repeat the process you ask them for their password for a second time yeah you run it through the same one-way hash yeah and you can compare it to what you've got stored and if those two things are the same even though we can't reverse it we know that that's the right password that's that's basically how almost all web apps work okay So something that's common these days, really common, they have um, a lot of the YouTube channels that I watch. You know how YouTubers get sponsors and um, one of the common ones that always comes up, it's VPNs. Yeah, I've noticed and, that. A lot of YouTubers have been sponsored by VPNs. And password managers. Oh, really? Okay. okay. I've not and seen that though. So password managers, I think everyone's familiar, but I'll, I'll recap anyway. It's kind of like a single service that you can log into and then it stores all your passwords for you. So you can have a unique password for every service. Yeah. You're not using the same password in, say, Gmail as you are on a 
terrible forum. So if, if one of them gets breached, there's no risk that they can log into anything else. Yeah. Um, so is it, it essentially it, that this plugin that you've got, because it's like a browser plugin, isn't it? Usually. Yeah. yeah they'll kind of log into ones, something but... for you. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It remembers the passwords. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What you were saying a moment ago, you know, writing them down in a physical book, the problem is if that one book gets lost, then all your passwords are in there. Well, in the same vein, if your password manager gets compromised. Yeah. If someone knows how to log into that, they've got all your passwords. Yeah. So I find, I find it strange that people are advocating that so strongly as a, as a really great thing to do, because in in my mind, like I can choose the most secure passwords in the world for all my different services and they can all be unique and different. But if I put them in one password manager, that one password manager gets broken into, then... With one password? With a single... Well, you'd hope that their security is like uses multiple steps of authentication and is quite secure. But yeah. to me, like it's putting all your eggs in one basket and I don't... Yeah, but... but... I don't necessarily think it's a disaster, but it, it's not a golden bullet either. And I, and I really... It winds me up when people recommend them so strongly. But what's great about it though mm-hmm. it makes it easy and never underestimates that people just want things to be easy i know yes. we obviously want things to be secure but we don't want to shut ourselves out of all these services that we've logged into and signed up for we want things to be dead easy yeah if you have a good browser plugin and it kind of just logs it in for you and knows what site you're on and all that kind of stuff yeah then yeah it, it makes it really really easy yeah it takes out all the friction doesn't it that's the whole point yeah So the other thing that you can do to increase security and to help prevent data breaches is two-factor authentication. Ooh, okay. That's where you log in with a username and password as usual, and then it will ask you for a code. And that code would normally come from either like an app on your phone, or maybe they would email it to you or text it you, or sometimes you get the standalone little devices with a screen on that you press a button on and it comes up with a code. You used to have something like that, this little, it's like a credit card sized device. Yeah. What was that for? Was that like online banking or something? Oh, was it like Amazon Amazon Web Services or something like that? This little thing yeah. that you kept around in the office. And all yeah. it did is it had a very small LED screen on it. You press a button, it gave you a co- like a one-use code. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly it. So okay. these days we mostly have like apps on our phones that do the two-factor codes. But yeah, it's a way of meaning that if your password gets... Hacked, known by someone yeah. else, then I suppose... There's an extra layer. Yeah, they're not likely to have your password and also your phone. Yes. Are they? It's not impossible, but you're just making it far less likely. But did you know about two-factor authentication? So I use this on wherever I can. You know, my GitHub, my Gmail, all that kind of stuff is all two-factor yeah. auth. But I found an interesting stat. So fewer than one in 10 people have set up two-factor authentication on their Gmail. Really? Yeah. And I think that's because of the... Is it because it makes it more complicated? I think it's the lack of understanding. Yeah, okay. Probably. Like, do people even know you can turn that on? Do they know, if they see two-factor authentication, do they know what that means? And the other thing, like you said, is it's just extra friction. It's every time I log in, I've now got to get a code as well. I I remember seeing it like a few years ago Google were really encouraging me to set it up and I just ignored it for a long time because I thought why would I want to make things more difficult for myself I don't I want to make things easier if anything I don't want it to be difficult I know it's more secure but still a bit more secure versus a lot more difficult now in actual fact it's not a lot more difficult is it really you've got to understand what's going on but it's not it's not mega difficult but people do like things to be easy I think if you minimize friction people will be more inclined to make better choices about security. Did you know that Kanye West revealed his iPhone password in a video? Yes, I didn't know that. And wasn't it like zero, 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 zero. 
and, and the zero is right down the bottom of the phone screen. So you can see why he's chosen that password. It's just the easiest key to press. Yeah. Because if it was a, like a one or a two or a three, he's got to move his thumb all the way to the top of the screen. So he's just he's just chosen the easiest thing you can possibly get away with. And yeah. I think that just shows the state of mind that most people are in. They just want it easy. That security is kind of more like a like a burden that yeah. gets in your way. No security is ever completely perfect and infallible, I would argue. okay. It only has to be sufficiently difficult for the bad guys that they will pick an easier target or get bored or whatever, right? So... Okay. You just have to outlast someone's patience. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) Like, like my security at home is pretty good, but, you know, if someone really wants to get in, they could, but it's enough that they'd go, oh, I've seen a camera and the doors are all locked. I'll just go next door. Oh, their door's open and go in, right? It's... Yeah. It's really important to to consider the threat level and what you're trying to protect. Yeah. One of one of my biggest bugbears is where you have like an overblown security requirement. So you have to choose like a ridiculously long password and they've got even got requirements around the username and maybe they make you have two-factor authentication and it's something really stupid like logging into your gym so you can book a um, <laughs> Book a tennis court or whatever it is. Yeah, book a squash you don't court. need those levels it's of like, security it, just to book a tennis court for the gym. Yeah, it, it's like unless you're a major, major celebrity, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's all those bad actors that are coming around. <laughs> <laughs> it's very noble to say that the the security should be perfect and we must use best practice. But in actual fact, when you think about it, letting someone choose a password is fine. Um, it has to be consummate with what you're guarding. Are we talking directly to people who make websites here and say, don't enforce ridiculous rules like your password has to be 15 characters long and have punctuation and capital letters and lowercase letters and stuff like that. A minimum word length is probably good. Minimum minimum password length doesn't have to include the, the, exclamation the, marks or whatever. The, the only requirement we have on our app is quite a long minimum length to make sure that's there and we also like a good long minimum length i do i do (laughs) (laughs) um there was actually there's actually a service that i signed up for and it has really weird requirements around the password and so quite and i log into it quite infrequently and whenever i go back to log into it i can never remember what the password is mm-hmm. until i then go to the password reset process yeah and go through the process it sends me an email i click on the link in the email it goes great let's set yourself a new password and at that point it says your password must include at least three capital letters and a lowercase letter and all and, the different rules and then you go and oh point, so i would have set it to this yeah but at that point it then makes you set a fresh password which can't be the same as your old password (laughs) so I then have to come up with something else that I'm never going to remember and then it's just this horrible cycle basically every time I log in it's a password reset Wow. So that could be another plea for web developers and app developers. Put your password requirements on the login page. Yeah. Or or have it, you know, at least it can be revealed in some kind of like help panel or something like that so that you can actually find out what are the requirements. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about passwords and usernames and passwords, but there are lots of other ways to authenticate and some of them I think better. So one of the key ones that's really sort of come into the the fore lately on smartphones is biometrics, isn't it? Oh, using your uh, uh, fingerprint? Yeah, or face unlock. So when you Ah. just look at your phone and it unlocks. So this makes it a lot easier for the user. You know, I have had the latest few Pixel phones which have fingerprint unlock, Mm -hmm. which by the way, they put the fingerprint sensor on the back and I find that way more ergonomic than phones that put it on the front. That's a complete side note. 
But my wife's got a phone where the fingerprint thing is on the front. It's a little bit more awkward because you've got to hold your phone with one hand and then use your other hand to touch the yes. fingerprint sensor, which is down the bottom. Whereas on uh, my phone, it's on the back. You just yeah. kind of hold it with one hand and then you can just slide your finger up to the to the correct yeah. little place. Yeah, I find that way easier than having to remember a password. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I log into my bank app now just using my fingerprint and it's brilliantly easy. Um, This isn't biometrics, by the way, but something else that Google does that I think is a really cool innovation, and this comes back to, you know, Kanye's um, all zeros password, is they, instead of having a traditional uh, pin padlock on an Android phone, you can choose, like, to draw a pattern, which is basically the same thing, right? It's just a sequence of numeric Uh, positions. Yeah. But it's a lot easier to remember drawing a little pattern than it is to remember the, the number sequence. Yeah. Which I find just quite cool. Yeah, I agree. Another thing that I th- I massively, massively admire, and I think this is one of my favourite pieces of UX design that I've seen. Right. So we have a lot of streaming services these days that you have to log into Netflix or whatever it is on your TV. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Netflix in particular, if, if you've ever tried to use a smart TV with just a normal remote control to try and type out a username and a password, it oh, is that's annoying. A, an excruciating process. Yeah. Try it with an on-screen keyboard. You've got to press like right, 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 down, down, down. Okay. It's also not very secure, I would say, as well, because if anyone else is in the room, you, you're typing your password so slow. Yeah. It's very obvious what your password is. It's it's awful. Um, I had the same thing trying to log into Amazon Prime on the PlayStation yeah. using the PlayStation controller and typing in the username and password, especially when your password's going to be, you know, we're talking about recommending passwords to be quite long. It takes ages. Yeah. And it's really difficult. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> but the BBC have come up with... I don't know if they came up with it, but they they have a really, really slick experience for logging into their streaming service, which obviously people outside the UK won't be familiar with. It's called iPlayer. Yeah. And what they do is you load the app on your smart TV and it has a code displayed on the screen, a unique code. Yeah. And in the background is this video. So the code is overlaid onto a video and the video really concisely explains exactly what to do. It's really, really well produced, concise explanation that you should go onto a computer or your phone which obviously devices that are much easier to type on yeah that you should go to like it's something like bbc.co.uk slash tv or whatever it is yeah probably not that well yeah something like that and you then log into your bbc account on your phone or your laptop where it's much easier to type and authenticate you may already be authenticated anyway right you probably have authenticated something in the past yeah uh, you type in the unique code, and then that's all it needs. It then ties all that information up. You're now logged in on your smart TV. So it logs in on your behalf, yeah. Yeah, and that experience, especially with the video in the background that explains what to do, because obviously the BBC in the UK has a mandate. It's the public service broadcaster. It's paid for by the licence fee. They have a mandate to make sure all their services are as accessible to everyone as possible. Yeah. But they've really taken that on board in designing that process, and I really admire that. I think that. That's, like Netflix clearly has some great UX designers and has a great experience, but like they could learn from that. Yeah. that like I think other streaming services should, and I think I have seen a few others actually adopt it more recently. Yeah, but I think I, well, as far as I'm aware, they're the first ones that I saw. Yeah, that did that. I think a lot of research will have gone into that, a lot of thinking, a lot of user testing. So just talking about biometrics again for a second. Mm-hmm. 
they are not perfect. So we mentioned briefly face unlock. Oh, but someone might as, have your. What as, about your twin? <laughs> what about your twin brother? Yeah. Well, the the have been stories so early face unlocks could be fooled by a picture. Yeah. Which is not good. No. Um, more recent ones are better because they take like a, a depth map of your face, so a picture isn't good enough because there's no depth to it. Right. But apparently, it was in the news when the, I think it was the Pixel was first launched, the new Pixel 4 came out. Yeah. It doesn't know whether your eyes are open or closed. So your face is 3D. You can't use a picture anymore, but you can put it in front of someone's face while they're asleep and it will unlock it. Oh, right. Again, this was like a massive controversy and like a a media frenzy. But actually, when you think about it, is it secure enough? Probably. Like, I think if someone's like creeping around your house and holding your phone up to your face, you've probably got other things to worry about. (laughs) Probably. <laughs> yeah. Having said that, you know, if you've got a, I don't know, a jealous spouse, they might. I mean, there could be circumstances where you wouldn't want that to happen Maybe. still. But I don't know, if you're really that worried about security, I don't think you would rely on just the face unlock anyway, would you? That's just there for your convenience, isn't it? Just give you a, yeah, like you a were... bare minimum amount of security, but mostly making it easy for you. Yeah. If you were really that concerned, you'd probably set like a long passcode or something, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that I really like, actually. Have you logged into Slack ever? The work chat, the workplace yeah, chat? Yeah, we, we use Slack at work. Did you remember what happened to log into that app? I don't really... It was quite easy. I don't remember, like, having to set a long password or anything. I don't remember setting a password at all. Yeah, right. So... What? This is really clever. So I think I think it's I think it's clever. So what happens if you go to a service with a username and password and you've forgotten your password? You have to go forgot password. It'll send you an email and then right. Okay. So, okay. Like, okay. And then once you click on the link in the email, you basically put in a new password and you get access, right? Yeah. To most services. Yeah. Yeah. So so, so but so, like having that email account, I'm proving that I am me. Yeah. So there is no additional security, right? Literally being able to receive that email. What we are saying is we trust that the email account is secure therefore we trust that person okay yeah so what slack have done is recognize that fact and they when you try and log in all you type in is your username and they send you an email yeah to your email account which they call a magic link but when you get that email you click the button and it logs you straight into the platform that's all you need to remember a password and and that feels somehow insecure it feels somehow dodgy but when you think about it, by having a password reset attached to your email, basically that's saying ac- <laughs> access to email is good enough. We consider that good enough. So yeah. it's only as secure as having a password reset. So there's no drop in security. Yeah, I and, so. And all of a sudden, no one has to remember a password anymore. How lovely is that? Yeah. Literally, what's Is this your... the future then? Just not having fact, any they, passwords? In fact, you don't even have to remember a username because it's your email address. You literally just oh, type yeah. in your email address, which you should know. Yeah. And you get in, you get access. Oh. It is a little bit clumsy in that you then have to get access to your emails, which may not always be convenient. Like if you're on a mobile device and you don't, like maybe it's work email, you then got to, oh God, I've got to go over to my work computer or I've got to... But you I mean, if you receive email on a different device to what you're trying to log in to Slack on? Yeah. Or you're not currently logged in on that device, you've yeah. got to then work out how to log into your email before you can log into Slack. I don't think that's necessarily a problem, but but I still think that's clever. I still think that's yeah. a nice way of, of looking at it and a nice way of thinking about it. Definitely easy, which I appreciate. Yeah. The other thing which I think is nice is what Amazon do. Right. So most web apps require you to log in before you can do absolutely anything that's personal to you, right? If you go to most e-commerce shops, it's an anonymous experience until you log in and then everything's personalized. There's no other state, is there? Whereas what Amazon do is they remember you from, say, a previous session and will allow you to see things that you've looked at before, add things to a cart. Even if you're not logged in? 
if you have logged in previously on oh, that right, computer. Okay. We're just talking cookies. It just knows you from your cookies. Yeah, so you've like previously had a session. It's got some memory that you're you, but it may be from like a week ago or more. Yeah. Okay, so it allows you to do basically low risk activities, like see the browsing history, add things to a cart. All you can those add things to a cart even if you're not logged in? Even if you're not, yeah, of course you can, yeah. Okay. Yeah, even if it doesn't remember you, it can, it can add stuff to a cart, I think. So it gives you a level of personalization with low security stuff, but as soon as you want to do something high security like see my previous orders or change my payment details it only asks for authentication at that point at that point okay so it's so, so it's not like this upfront burden it's yeah. only when you really need it so yeah. you can like be casually just browsing some products and it can casually recommend some products to you yeah you know we you know we know you're david or we think we know you're david this is what you looked at last time this is what we think you might like let you add it to your basket all that kind of stuff yeah but then as soon as you go i want to buy it this is going to charge you some money that's when they ask for the password and that's really nice. He's asking for the password at the right time to reduce that friction. Yeah. Yeah. Apart like that, yeah. yeah. They obviously think, well, obviously they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They want you to buy stuff, but that's that's how they're incentivizing the experience, isn't it? They're trying to do everything they can to keep you happy, keep you on the store, and hopefully you'll spend some money with them. Exactamundo. Okay, so looking to the to the being a bit more futuristic about this in the future. Yeah, one of the current hot topics is home automation, right? With voice assistants, smart homes, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and one of the things you can get now are smart locks. So these are locks on your doors, or maybe it opens your garage door, or whatever it is that can be controlled remotely by your your phone or app on your phone, or maybe even the assistant in your house, all that kind of stuff. That would be the dream. So just walk up to your front door and go. Open Sesame, and your door just opens, it lets you in. You know, that sounds fantastic to me, but like, if your I was neighbors carrying... would think you were crackers, like, <laughs> open <laughs> Sesame, and the door opens. Well, the... I mean, I don't have to say it so grandly, but if you're like carrying loads of shopping. But you can't have a password, right? Because you'd be speaking it out loud, everyone would hear it. It's oh, yeah, not very true. secure. Yeah, well, I'm hoping it would like know my voice. Yeah, but your voice isn't that unique. No, true. So we've got Google Homes at home google homes at home right, google yeah, homes at home and it personalizes responses based upon who you are so like both me and my wife have signed in yeah and if i talk to it it should read my calendar out and do my playlists yeah from my, the music app and if she does it it's different but quite often if i you know just change my tone slightly if i speak a little bit more like this or you know if even if there's just a bit of background noise and it finds it harder to tell Quite often it will get it wrong. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I don't think relying on someone's tone... Well, if that's anything to go by, we don't have enough to purely, on voice signature, allow someone in or not. Yeah. Even though that's in Goldeneye, isn't it? In Goldeneye? The Bond film Goldeneye has... Yeah. Where, in the satellite bunker... Yeah. Yeah, there's a voice lock on Goldeneye. Okay. Because she's trying to get out when it's been all bombed and it's all falling down. I'm sure she tries to get out of it. And the lock's all like got wires coming out of it and it's like frazzled and it isn't working anymore. And she's going like, she's saying a name over and over again and it's supposed to open and it doesn't open and she's like crying because it won't oh, open. Oh no. She's going, Natalia Simonov or whatever she, her name <laughs> is in the, the character. And she has to say it again and again and, and she, she it won't open. So Goldeneye from the 90s predicting terrible technology yeah. right now. 
there was a, a video I saw recently on YouTube on a really good channel called Smarter Every Day. Okay. Which is a, a guy who does kind of like engineering hacky type things. And, yeah. and he did a, a video off the back of a research project where they worked out that they could use lasers pointing through someone's window... <laughs> pointing at their smart speaker. What? Okay. Okay, so you've got a laser outside someone's house, pointing through the window at a smart speaker, and without actually making any audible noise, the speaker would pick up a command. What? Using the laser? Yeah, so they could get the laser to say, for example, you know, hey, buzzword, or... Google or Siri or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Alexa. Yeah, do something, whatever it is, like, that they want to do. Unlock the front door, please. Exactly, yeah. Right, okay. Um, And that could be transmitted via laser through the window and picked up by the smart speaker and inside you would hear nothing until the smart speaker just goes, okay, unlocking the front door. Like, there would... (laughs) So you could be asleep and not know what's going on. Meanwhile, like, R2-D2's broken into your house because he's firing some laser beams (laughs) through your window. To be honest, I don't even know if it needs to be that sophisticated. Like, the Google Homes at our house, you could very easily just shout through the letterbox. (laughs) Shout through the letterbox. Hey, open the door! I mean, thankfully, I don't think we've got anything too risky in our house... Like, the worst they could do is set our heating really high and turn our lights on and off, so they could waste a bit of energy. But It's not the worst thing in the world, is it? But if, you'd, if we'd got, like, a smart connected alarm or a smart connected lock, you could just literally potentially shout through the letterbox, open the front door, open yeah. the garage. That's why I really like the, uh, the the smart speakers. I think they're really useful, but I don't think I'd trust them for anything like unlocking or locking a door. Yeah, I would stop short of that. I, I can see wanting a smart lock. The, the reason I want a smart lock is because I'm quite an anxious person. I would love to be able to check on my phone. Like, did I lock the door earlier? And just, <laughs> j- just to be able to check, I don't want to unlock it from anywhere. I just want to be able to see, yep, all secure. Yeah. Like, that peace of mind would be amazing. I would love that as a, as a product. Like, did yeah. I, you know, just an app on my phone that just goes, front door, locked, yep. Garage, locked and secure, yep. Uh, alarm on, yep. That yeah. would be amazing. We've got at home a Nest security camera and that is good for like the peace of mind of knowing that no one's broken in because the camera's recording all the time. It like records if there's any movement and it sends me an alert if there's a, a person spotted. And that's Oh yeah, how the Facial recognition, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it sort of recognises what a person looks like. And that's really useful. In fact, it gave me a bit of a fright when I was away on uh, on holiday recently. We were flying back from Austria and I was just about to get on the plane. And um, so we'd been away for a week. The, the camera sends me, sends me a message saying, I've spotted a person at your house. And I was like, whoa, what? There's a person? Scary. Yeah, I, I was. And then I noticed that it was my mum and dad had just popped around. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let themselves in. Just let themselves in, yeah. Because it was it was Christmas time and my mum was dressed as a Santa and my dad was like dressed as an elf. And and so I just saw on this footage like a Santa and an elf walking to my house. <laughs> That's and amazing. Yeah, I just went from, like, fright <coughs> to full-on laughter. Did they leave some in, presents? Yeah, they left some presents. Yeah, it was really nice. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, really good. That's, like, the best Christmas. Did they know that you had a camera? They did, yeah, yeah. My dad, oh, like, waved to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but speaking of the Nest security cameras and, like, the mm-hmm. whole Nest smart home, there have been articles where people have said that it's been hacked 
And there was one where a couple in America, so they had their, their Nest camera hacked and the hacker started talking to them from the camera. So this is something that you can do. The camera, it's got a speaker in so that while you're using the, the app on your phone, you can like press a thing and talk through it. Yeah. yeah. And I use that to sometimes talk to the cat. Yes. <laughs> so okay. like I can see that sometimes the cat's gone on top of the fish tank and I'm like shouting through this thing going, no, no, get down, get down. Does it work? No, no. She okay. just ignores me completely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the, the, this this couple that had it hacked, the Nest can, can control your thermostat and also the camera. And this this lady also noticed that they'd changed the thermostat to ninety degrees. I think that's Fahrenheit, not Celsius. Uh, it's America, so yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah it's probably not like going to just burn be into a crisp. Boil, that would, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but. I don't think that's anything to really worry about because what happened there is the hacker just guessed their password and logged into it that way. It's not like these products are unsafe. Like if they'd used two-factor authentication, for example, then it would have been a lot less likely that the hacker would, would get in. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Some people are worried about these things like putting a, a smart speaker in your house or a, a camera. It's like bad somehow. But I don't know. If, if turning up the thermostat is the only thing they can do, then I don't know. It's... It's not that bad, really. Personally, I'm more worried about bad actors at the organisations themselves. There's a news article literally today about Ring, you know, the doorbell, the oh, yeah, doorbell yeah. people, admitting that certain employees had been dismissed because they had accessed customer videos that they should not have done. Oh, that. yeah, I suppose that they is had a no reason to. And the same, there was articles recently about smart speaker recordings being accessed by Alexa employees and Google uh, employees. So it does raise some questions about you're inviting these devices in the into your home that are quite intimately aware of what you're doing and saying and things yeah. like that and it's you know who's got access to that who's processing it at scale yeah. what what could be done on a, a large scale with that data is quite scary yeah a bit scary but for me it's mostly just me talking to my cat so <laughs> it's not like anyone's got incriminating footage or anything weird like that but if i was going to rob a bank Probably wouldn't want to be surveilled like that, don't know. Another thing that the hacker did when he hacked into their camera is uh, played vulgar music through the camera's little tiny speaker. Oh, I would find that funny. <laughs> I would find that funny. Just some, some that. hacker just starts... What were they even I what would love they playing? That. I would love that. What's this vulgar music? What I is think, it? I see like like rap with swearing. I like, like big butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> that would be like really inappropriate. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like, I, know, I know what would be inappropriate. I'll be watching you by Sting. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. I like that. I like that. Did you know Nest has sold more than 11 million smart home devices since 2011? How many? 11 million. I reckon that is 10.9 million thermostats and a few cameras. <laughs> yeah, the thermostat is good. I think the thermostat feels more affordable to me. We have a Nest thermostat. I would love the Nest doorbell. Yeah. But the price of both the device and the ongoing subscription is prohibitive for me. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Whereas the, the Ring is a lot more affordable even though... But I mean the Ring, like if you compare the two, the Ring experience is pretty bad. Is that the one where it starts the recording once it notices some motion but it's already like missed it by that point? Is that right? Yeah, kind of. So 
the ring records clips where the nest is constantly recording. It's constantly recording, yeah. <clears throat> so our ring, if someone, for example, drives past, will not capture them driving past, but it will capture sort of like the few seconds as you hear them drive away, for example. <laughs> and then quite often as well, because it's like limited to like a 30 second clip, if someone, for example, was to come onto our driveway and like hang around a bit before committing an offence, if they just hung around for 30 seconds, you'd get them on the camera, but you wouldn't get the offence occurring. Yeah. The other thing as well is that it doesn't trigger, there's like a cool down period. So if someone walked on the driveway, it would start recording a 30 second clip. If they left and then came back, it would have stopped recording, but it's not going to trigger again. Like there's like a cool off period before it'll record for a second time. Sounds rubbish. Yeah, it's it's not amazing. The app's pretty clunky too. I don't don't think it's very good. The battery is also constantly running out. um, Right. And you have to replace that. It's not brilliantly thought out. Right, okay. However, being able to answer the door from wherever you are, you know, respond to someone at the door from wherever you are is quite useful. Yeah. And it does actually still obviously do some recording, so you would hope that someone up to no good would be caught by it. Yeah. So, it's at this point that I want to unleash my twist about the whole security thing, which is that none of what we've talked about really matters. At all. <laughs> what? At all. None of it's important. Are we just wasting people's um, time? Um, what I mean by this is that, you know, we can talk until we're blue in the face about, you know, what best practices are with security and things like that. But in the main, the failure of security is humans and human engineering, right? Like people worry, for example, about securing their website with passwords, things like that. But, you know, it's far easier just to, for example, phone them up and pretend to be someone who they're not, get access that way. Oh, right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, send in an email that's a phishing attack that pretends to be the legitimate company and gets bank details that way. You know? Yeah. Do you remember there was a documentary ages ago, because there was this, this huge scandal, I'm talking like decades ago, like one of the first websites, like a big website, I think it was like, it was like a porn website, I can't remember what it was, like porn.com or something. It was hacked and, and transferred ownership to somebody else. And the reason why is because... Someone just rang them up or send them a fax or something like that. And they sounded legitimate enough to just get access to it. It wasn't anything like hackery, really. You know, there wasn't any sort of malicious code or anything involved. It was just someone ringing them up. It's just basic social engineering. We get quite a lot, not quite security, but we get a lot at work. Um, So we have a couple of trademarks registered in the US and the UK. Right. And we get fake letters that say, you need to renew your trademark from the official... US Bureau of Trademarks whatever and they've basically made up this official government sounding name and basically all you're paying is an invoice for nothing if you reply but it looks sufficiently legitimate that they will make money out of people just paying it and it's that kind of you know that we're far more susceptible to that so I've got an example that scares me a little bit, actually, which is my daughter's nursery, you know, like a daycare yeah, um, yeah. nursery. And to access the building, there is a fingerprint lock so that people have to authenticate to... Okay, so to it's quite in. secure then. Well, there's posters up saying, shut the door behind you, don't let anyone follow you in. But if you are there opening the door... And someone's coming behind you, you're not going to slam the door in their face, are you? Exactly. Nobody slams the door in anyone's face. So because my daughter only goes one day a week, yeah. for whatever reason, they've never set me up on the fingerprint system. So... <laughs> What I have to do is press the buzzer and someone comes and answers the door. Obviously, they know who I am and who my daughter is, so that's fine. We, we get let in. But I would say at least 50% of the time, if not more, I literally just happen to get there as someone's coming out or someone else is going in and I just follow them in. 
So anyone, so, so anyone I'm, could. I'm not authenticated whatsoever. You know, nobody knows. You know, I, yeah, I could be. I could be anyone. Um, yeah. And the other scary thing as well is, so my daughter recently moved from the toddler room to the preschool room. It's called. So like, they have eight rooms with different age groups in. Right. Level up. Yeah, she's she's leveled up. And I remember specifically when we f- first signed up for the nursery, they made us choose like a password. So like, if someone was picking up our little girl that wasn't recognised or whatever, they would have to give this password. So say if a grandparent suddenly, you know, there's an emergency, granddad has to come and pick pick her up, they have to give this password that, that's like... Are you talking, is this a password that you have to say? Or is it yeah. one that you have to write down? It's got 15 letters minimum, and it's got <laughs> punctuation and... <laughs> yeah, it's uh, A bracket ampersand. No, no, it's just, it's just a code word that obviously if there's an unusual circumstance, someone else has to pick our child up, they have to give this password. Well, that's okay. good. That's security conscious. That's good. Well, you say that, but my wife went to pick our little girl up. She went into the preschool room. None of the staff in there recognize my wife. Like we haven't been in that room before. She hasn't been in that room before. She didn't. Oh, right. I dropped her, I dropped my little girl off in the morning. Yeah. So they would know my face potentially. Yeah. But my wife went in there and there was no attempt at all to make sure that she was who she said she was. She just walked out with a child. Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously, it luckily, was hers. Yeah. Now, obviously, Ada went mummy, and so it would have looked a bit weird if she yeah, yeah. hadn't have recognised whatever. But that's the authentication. That's, I guess. That's it, it. But, but there are circumstances where, for example, a parent is prohibited from seeing their child oh, that's because a good point. of yeah, of course. You know, um, safeguarding issues. Say, I don't know, a parent Might be banned is... by a court or whatever. Yeah. 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 The child's still going to go mummy or daddy. Yeah. But they may not be allowed to see that child, or they may need to be. Yeah accompanied and they're not or whatever they may be you know might be a bad actor it might be a bad terrible it might be it might be Nicolas Cage picking up my little girl (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah I do think that you know you can have the best security system in the world but you know ultimately things like tailgating through doors phishing social engineering attacks are really you know undermine any security efforts anyway you and you've got to be really careful about those things yeah I just think you have to think about those when you are designing your user experience yeah. and think about all the cases that, you know, not just the best case scenario, not just the scenario where someone goes to the website and puts the username and password in, but, you know, what happens if someone rings up and does claim to be someone they're not? How are we going to prove that? Are we going mm-hmm. to train our staff to say, we can't help you over the phone, for example, yeah. because it's a security risk? Yeah. yeah, and sometimes I think it's easy not to realise that you're giving something secret away as well. Have you ever noticed how if you sign up for something and you put your a username in that's already taken, it will tell you that that username's already taken? Yeah, which is a, a, but, a minor but, security risk anyway, because that means that exactly. you've got someone else's username now. Yeah. Or, but that might not be a big deal, or, because if you're using like a social website, knowing someone's username is kind of part of it. Okay, well, let me give you a scenario here. So say, for example, someone decided to secretly sign up for a dating site, for example, and their spouse didn't know, their spouse could go to the same dating site, put their partner's email address in. Right. And if the site was made in such a way that it says that email address is already taken, they would know that their (gasps) spouse was on that dating site. Yeah. Right. Even though that's kind of a breach of privacy really isn't it that's yeah yeah like there would, there would be there would be someone some people that would argue that like okay the spouse should know and that's a um but it isn't really up to the company to decide that that's still a privacy issue that's still a breach of that individual's yeah privacy isn't it that, yeah. that someone else could find that out by just typing in a you you know just going to register and typing in their partner's email address and it goes yep yeah, this is already taken so you can't sign up again 
to tell you about our latest Twitter followers? Please do. Okay. Have we gained a few? Uh, yeah. Well, that's very high-pitched. I don't apologise. Okay, we have Miriam. Bonjour. Miguel Alvarez. Bonjour. Kristin Ludlow. Bonjour. Charlotte. Bonjour. Not got a last name, that one. Judith, also no last name. Bonjour. Thinking about security, that don't want to be identified. Leela Main. Bonjour. Mr. S. Bonjour. Kelsey Philan. Bonjour. Peter Stewart. Bonjour. Uncommon Joe. Bonjour. Julie Lovely. Bonjour. And Stephanie Jane Johnson. Bonjour. Okay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay. Three, two, one. Bad Bad Usability Nightmare. nightmare. You did it in a robot voice this time. That was unexpected. (laughs) (laughs) The best things in life are unexpected. (laughs) Okay. So have you got something to tell us? Coffee subscriptions. Coffee subscriptions? Coffee as a service? Yes. Right, okay. So at work, we, about maybe a year ago, we bought a fancy coffee machine. It's a posh one, yeah. Yeah, it needs to be supplied with whole beans, whole roasted beans in the hopper at the top, which it grinds up and makes a delicious coffee. Yeah, okay. okay. So we found a supplier online where you can sign up and they send you bags of coffee and you can choose how many bags you want, at what frequency, that kind of stuff, what roasts you want. And they just, it comes in the post and you don't have to worry about it anymore. So you can just say, you know, every two weeks we need two bags of coffee and that's fine. Right. And they give you a little online area where you can manage this. So you say, actually, we're using a bit more, so let's make it weekly. Or, you know, we're not using so much, let's postpone next week. Or the office is closed over Christmas, let's postpone a couple of a couple of goes. It's quite flexible. Okay. It looks like it's, like it's not the most slick but it has all the functionality that you'd need really this is the website you're talking about this is the website for this coffee provider anyway last week we decided that we didn't like their coffee anymore there were some complaints about the taste of the coffee yeah so we decided we were going to switch it up try some different ones and then maybe settle on a new supplier afterwards right so i was tasked with re-logging into this system yeah that allows you to manage your subscription online and cancel we don't want any more. We're switching supplier. Okay. Right, okay. As you might have expect, first nightmare, you go to cancel and it says, even though you can do everything else online, it says in order to cancel, you must phone us. Oh, dark pattern right there. Yeah. So every- really want to stop you from cancelling. We can do everything else. We can change the frequency, the amount of the order. We can, we can do all sorts, but cancelling, we've got to phone. So obviously it's to make it more difficult and it's to give them an opportunity to try and retain us, isn't it? So they can go, oh, well, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm really sorry or whatever. And let me make it better or have half price or whatever it is they want to do. Okay. Now, I decided that I would try and game this system. What do you mean? Well, I thought, is there a way that I can as good as cancel with the tools that I have in the dashboard? What are you talking about? So, I don't want any more coffee to arrive. Oh, okay. are you going to change the frequency to zero? Well, I tried things like this. I was like, can I set my order to zero bags? Like, will it let me do that? And it, it, it kind of cottoned onto that and went, if you want to cancel, you want to phone us. I was like, rubbish, okay. But what I discovered is there is one thing that I could do, which is it allows you to say, like, you can postpone your next order. You can, like, say, I want my next order to be actually in two weeks' time. Okay. <laughs> so you change it to 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I did. Our next coffee delivery 
Our, our coffee delivery is fortnightly, with the next delivery scheduled for the 1st of July, 2037. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can literally log in, and it shows you your upcoming deliveries, and it has like a fortnight delivery, fortnightly delivery from 2037. Wow, Scheduled okay. to arrive. I'm hoping by that point, you know, the credit card will have expired, and I just, you know, maybe they're not even a company anymore, I don't even need to worry about it. But that, to me, is easier than trying to phone them up to cancel. This is less of a bad usability nightmare for you. It's more for them. Maybe. (laughs) I think it just highlights that people, if you make things difficult, will game the system. Yeah. Like, I will always do that. If I know someone's intentionally making things difficult for me... You're going to make it difficult for them. I have another nightmare. Okay. And this this is relating to buying a game. Yeah. Like a... it's not really a, a board game, but like that kind of thing, like a physical game that you yeah, can yeah. play as a, as a group that we wanted to play over Christmas. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, it's quite... Oh, this story. Yes. Okay, yeah, you were I'm, there. I'm you were involved there. in this story. You were there, yeah. Okay, this okay. is good. So, it's a good game, by the way. It's called Bank Attack. Irrelevant. Tell us about the ordering I'm, process. I'm just setting that's... the scene. Right, I'm just, fine. I'm just, I'm just laying the foundation. So, you ordered this game from a, a, a physical toy store that we have in the town centre, but you ordered it online first. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so this is a game that was like the hot game of the year, so it was in yeah. high demand. I was going to order it from Amazon, yeah, but due to the fact that I thought, you know, I'll support local, a local store instead, yeah, um, yeah. that's very employing... ethical. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, it's very easy to buy everything from Amazon, but if we did that, all the actual physical stores would all just close down. So yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. You so wanted it to was. Buy it. I mean, it was the same price anyway. Yeah, but it was a little bit less convenient because I had to go into town to pick it up. But well, I... we walk into town all the time, so it's fine. That's, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. So I placed the order and that was all quite smooth i had a message to say that it had arrived into store and so within a day or so i decided we're going into town anyway so let's it was with you let's pick up the game so this is where i get involved so you're busy doing something else and you said oh can you just go to the toy store and uh, pick this thing up for me here's the here's the code so you give me the code i go to the toy store uh, and my driving license because you need to they want some kind of identity to oh, yeah. Se- prove who you security are security nightmare i'm i'm, yeah, I'm yeah. walking around with your driving license as if yeah. i'm like impersonating you yeah so, so okay so, so you've go- got the code and the driving license and you're yeah i've got everything i need yeah i go in there it's christmas it's busy. Yeah. There's a huge long queue. Round the shop. Round the shop. Well, yeah. by that point, by the point I went in, it wasn't too bad. Okay. But yeah, there was quite a lot of people. And so I was in there queued up a long time. In fact, you'd already joined me by the time that I got to, to the front of the queue. And what was happening is that there's only three people serving and each of the people serving on the checkout... I think there's only two people serving. Just uh, two. Maybe, but they were disappearing off to the back room quite a lot. Yes. And then having to come back a little, a little bit later. So we get to the front and... So I give all this information over and the the guy there... Well, as, as you were queuing up though, you noticed that there was a display of these games, like loads of them on the That's shelf. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually thought I could grab this off the shelf and then give it to the to the guy at the uh, at the checkout and, and just say, oh, look, I've just, I've done your job for you. You don't have to go and get it from the stock room. It's right here. It's already been paid for. I can just literally take this. That's, yeah, that's yeah. how this works, isn't it? This is how shops work. And he says, no, no, no. I have to go and get a very specific one from the from the stock room. Just wait here. I'll be right back. And so he's gone for ages. Absolutely ages. Meanwhile... Bear, bear in mind the length of the queue as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. The length of the queue is even longer now. It's doubled. Yeah, people leaving as well because yeah. they can't buy what they want in reasonable time. So the shop's losing business because of this Yeah, they're just trying practice. to buy stuff. And technically, you've already bought this. You just need it fetching. And there's already one right there that I could take anyway. Yeah. 
But anyway, he has to go and then he comes back and he goes, oh, I can't find it. And I was like, well, there's one right here. Should we just take, no, 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 I have to, I have to go find a manager now. So he goes off. It has to be the exact one. It has, has to be the exact, exact one, one. set aside. I, I think he even came back with one under his arm, didn't he? He's like, no, no, this isn't even the one either. I'm like, well, but they're all the same, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing different about any of these. Yeah. So he yeah. goes off for it again. And then the same amount of time passes and he comes back and he's he's now like, you're getting agitated. You were really annoyed. And I, I had to get back to work. This is a lunchtime. Yeah. We only have an hour for lunch or whatever. Exactly. We, 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 we have to get... get back to back to work. But yet we're halfway through this process. We, we, we're so close to getting this this thing that you've ordered. So I, I literally asked them, like, <laughs> what, what, what would happen if I just picked one up off the shelf and walked out with it? I've paid for it. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. You were like and, really annoyed about and, that and, and they were ready to do that. And they're like, no, that's theft. And you're like, well, it's not theft because I've paid for it. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, the manager came out. So she, she comes out and she's like kind of all frantic anyway. And she, but she was like trying to, she was trying to say like that we needed to do something where we had to like email the people online to get a refund for the one that I'd already bought. And then I could and re- then buy another re- one. Rebuy right one there. from the shelf that was already there. But you're like, but what, what does it matter? It's like, it's, I've got it in my hands right now. The process is done. We could just walk out and be happy. You've got all these people here that you need to serve. Yeah. And they're getting all annoyed. This whole thing probably took a... Like, it was It must have been like over 20 minutes queuing, and then it must have been at least 15, 20 minutes at the actual counter Yeah, as well. Which yeah. is a long time when you're on an hour lunch. So in the end, I just... Uh, uh, you were getting annoyed. She was getting frustrated. Yeah, but I was just I was just directing the end and said, look, and I just told her, what I'm going to do is just take this one and you can work <laughs> out your own processes. And she then got really angry and said like, fine just take it then and it was like telling me not to shout at her employee I, don't, I didn't shout at her employees she was just the, I think there were raised voices but you were not shouting at the, the, the guy who was there Hunter <coughs> bless him <coughs> yeah <laughs> he was amazing he's just had to like go off and find this thing and he was really he was really kind of stressed absolutely not his fault whatsoever but she was like don't you shout at Hunter and she's like stroking Hunter going Hunter's one of our temps he's only here for Christmas <laughs> I didn't, I didn't she, but she's like trying to turn it as if you're you're directing your anger at him which you're absolutely not you're just annoyed at the process you're just yes. annoyed at the bizarre process that they've got he's just an employee he's just following out the weird process No, none of it was his fault but she was like stroking him as if he yeah. was like don't worry Hunter don't worry <laughs> <laughs> It was bizarre, wasn't it? The, the, the most annoying thing about the whole situation is that I'd gone out of my way to try and support this local store instead of Amazon. Yeah, you could have just got it from Amazon and Amazon would have been brilliant. Yeah, it would have literally arrived the next day. I would have not had to go into town. I would have not had to stand for 20 minutes in a queue. It would have been a much better experience. Yeah, none of this would have happened. But it shouldn't work like that, surely. If you want to support a local business, that should be the better experience. You should have the fantastic experience of going to a toy store and it will all be wonderful and magical and people treating you really well. Seeing someone face to face. Seeing someone face to face, yeah. Yeah, it was awful. I should add, by the way, after this whole experience, I actually wrote them a letter of complaint. Oh, an angry letter. Well, yeah, it was It was just... If that was my business and I ran that business, I would want to know that someone had had an experience like that so I could make sure it didn't happen again. User feedback. Yes. And I, yeah. and I, and I you know, I wasn't... I didn't write to them. I, I literally said in it, I don't want anything out of this. I literally want to let you know that this is an experience that I had and I think you would want to correct this so it doesn't happen again. I said, you've already lost me as a customer, but, you know, you may want to sort it out. Do you know what reply I had? Stony silence. Zero reply. Oh. <laughs> 
They did not reply at all. This is what I worry about, that so many physical stores are disappearing from the high streets, but yet they're not helping themselves by, you know, being better. They need to be better than Amazon. If Amazon's putting them out of business, then they need to provide a better experience, I think. But if they're worse, then obviously you're going to go shop on Amazon. Yeah. Anyway, that is the end of the podcast. If you have seen or used something unusable recently, we want to hear about it. You can email us at podcast at theunusable.com and we're on Twitter at Unusable Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, there's plenty more. In the last episode called The Internet is Terrible Now, uh, that was the episode where we flooded, do you remember? You know, I thought that we would be like inundated with uh, with messages from people saying, are you okay? Because we've had quite a length of time since the last podcast. Yeah. And we talked about being flooded. And uh, do you know how many people have asked if we were okay and still flooded? No, nobody. Nobody. Tragic. Nobody cares. <laughs> anyway, and um, if you check out our YouTube channel, we've got a video of me giving you a completely unusable Christmas present, which is better than it sounds. And there's a one of you in a hotel room using a stupid plug socket, <laughs> <laughs> which again yeah. is better than it sounds. <laughs> Music is by Gold5472. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get a notification about the next one. And uh, that's it until next time. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.